Well, wonderful to be here this morning. I want to thank Pastor, his family, and the whole church for standing behind us as we do ministry in India. As some of uh, some of you know us, uh, and some of you, uh, we are new. And by the way, if you are visiting, uh, please come back uh, Wednesday, Sunday. Pastor will be preaching. I'm, um, you know, you can hear the real American accent from next Sunday, and so. So, uh, I hope, uh, well, it will be, it will be a great blessing. Very close friends and, uh, God just opened this door for us to be here. Just wanted to take just one moment and say thank you for standing behind us. Whatever you are doing for us, we are able to do the ministry in India. For that, we have nothing to give back to you. Except to say, when you get to heaven, there will be some people you have never ever met in your life coming to you saying thank you for your prayers. Thank you for giving to the Lord. That's why we are here today. And I hope that will be a great blessing. And uh, please continue to pray for us. Actually, because of Corona, we will be ab- we are able to come here. And uh, But we do like to get back to India as soon as possible. India is closed. Uh, we don't have the regular flight uh, started yet. So please pray that we are waiting for the next proclamation from our uh, prime minister about India being open up for the regular flights. Please pray that we'll be able to get back as soon as possible and continue the ministry in India. Uh, and also pray for, our, uh, especially for our second son who is in Bible college. Uh, he is uh, he's a sophomore in missions, uh, doing missions major. His plan is to come back to India to continue the work. And with us, so please pray for him. As you know, you know, he is only was able to work on campus because being a foreign student, but with this corona and everything, the school is not giving them on campus jobs. So he is a little bit struggling. So please pray for him and for his studies so, and, and continue to pray for us. You know, it was a great, great, uh, a song we just heard. And you have to understand, you know, whether you are from India or you are here in Ohio, there is only one cross which was lifted up for our salvation. And so it is so significant, so important uh, for all of us to remember that. Well, this morning, I would like to uh, take your attention to Psalms 126. Psalms 126, very simple. Uh, two verses from a particular, this particular psalm, which is verses 5 and 6. I would like to bring you some uh, important, some key thoughts from this particular two scriptures. Psalms 126, verse 5 and 6. It says that, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning time and thank to be thankful for great salvation that you have given in our life. Thank you for the freedom to worship, come together, and just give, open our hearts before you. Father, please take this message and bless it, give it back to us, and help us to Apply that into our life. In Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen. 
By the way, we do have a small display table in the back and has some prayer cards. Please take one and pray for, continue to pray for our ministry. You know, if you notice this particular passage or the, the, the psalm, in, in verse 2 it says, he, Then our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing, and then said, uh, said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. You know, if you read that particular uh, scripture, you know that. And you know, I don't know how many of you realize it, but we all are living among the heathens. The heathen, the definition for a heathen is not a, a group of people who worship more than 333 million gods and goddesses or people who worship the spirits in Africa or different parts of the world. The definition, my definition of a heathen is a person who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal savior. You don't have to travel 8,000 miles to meet them. They are among us. We live among them. But the Bible says to this people, they said, we laugh today because among the heathens, you know, we can say God has done great things for us. There is a, a reason for that. It, that, that is, we, which we read right now because it said, he that, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. You know, this is very important because a lot of times we meet the people in our society, they don't know, even know where they are going after their death. They are so busy in their life to con- be concerned about that. So, so many times our, uh, what we realize is our mentality is like John chapter 4 verse 35 when Jesus Christ said the harvest truly is plenteous or look at the, the field is white for harvest. The disciples had the mentality yet there's four months for harvest. But we don't have four months. You have it to understand that we are living in a time Jesus can come back anytime, any moment. The trumpet can sound. And we know that if that trumpet sounds tonight or this morning, before we have the function tonight or the meeting tonight, we are so happy we can go be with our Lord Jesus Christ. But there are so many people around us, they don't know about it. They don't know about it. So, with that in mind, let's look at the portion of the scripture we just said. Just three points. By the way, I know your pastor, he's, he, he takes a long time to preach too. But in India, I usually three points, each point about an hour for me. And, but I'm not going to do it. I, I don't, please don't leave. You know, I'm not going to do it. And, but here, the first thing we can see, the plan of God. It's very simple. The plan of God here is that he that goeth forth is the plan of God. What is basically the plan of God? The plan of God is, is God's people will actively engage in sharing the gospel to the lost and dying world. That is the plan of God. And if you just, if you go further in, if you dissect this particular, uh, the, that statement, we can three, you can see three things. First of all, the plan of God is personal plan. Because it said he, he is a pronoun. That means it is, uh, it is applicable to each and every one of us. It's just like, you know, the, the word, the, the Bible demands that every saved one should take up the task to sharing the gospel to other people. That is the plan of God. 
Acts chapter 1 verse 8 said that ye shall receive the power. After that the Holy Ghost says, come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, uttermost part of the world. That is the plan of God. Ye have to be witnesses unto in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, uttermost part of the world. The Jerusalem we have is Sydney. In Ohio right here. Then we have the Judea will be Ohio and Samaria will be the United States of America, then you go uttermost part of the world, we need to tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that if you tell one person a day, if you get that person gets saved, and two of you go next day to two more people, then four of you next day to four more people, in 70 years, we can win 7 billion people. In other words, that we can evangelize the whole world. But it should start from that one person. One person. That is the plan of God. It is personal. God is expecting each and every one of us to do it. Matthew 9, 37 said, then the, the, he said unto the disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Not only it is personal, secondly, it is present. You know, it said, go forth. It's a present continuous tense. It's a present continuous. Can you tell me one moment in this world the gospel not need to be preached? Not need to be preached. I believe 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, the gospel needs to be preached. You said it is impossible because when, you know, you cannot preach 24 hours a day. Yes, the gospel is being preached 24 hours a day. When we sleep in America, there is somebody in India is preaching the gospel. It is being preached all over the world. 365 days a year, the gospel is being preached. And, you know, that we should be aware of it. We should be doing it the time God has given us. So many times we have excuses in our life. I will do it later on. We don't have time to procrastinate preaching the gospel. You know, you say, well, I will do it after the football season. Well, guess what? After the football season comes, baseball or basketball, you know, all the season throughout the year, we have some seasons coming up. You cannot do it. Some people have told me, he said, you know, bro, Sam, I'm going to do it after my kids graduate from school and get married. They move on and then I will be ready. We will be free and definitely we will go at full time doing the ministry. Well, guess what? When the kids are out, the grandkids are coming back. You don't get the time. We need to find the time right now. What can one try to do to a person? Inviting somebody to church. What can that do to his life? Telling one person that Jesus died for them. It can change their life. Few years back. About six o'clock in the morning. Somebody rang our doorbell. I don't know about you here, but... Sometimes six o'clock in the morning is too early for me. But I was up having a cup of tea because in India, because of British influence, we drink a lot of tea. More tea than coffee. But I like coffee, by the way. And uh, so I came out, opened my door, and I stand, as I saw this stranger standing there. And I said, may I help you? And he said, well, thank you. 
Well, I was confused because I didn't know what I did because the first word he told me was, thank you. I said, for what? Well, he said, can I come in and share my testimony? So he came and he sat and uh, we both sat at the, the, the chairs on the, on the front porch and we, he was sharing his testimony. He said, sir, uh, I was born in a high caste Hindu family. When I was small, my, my dad passed away. And my mom and I, uh, we went to the next state. And I was living there. My mom worked so hard to send to, send me to school. And now I have a good job, a lot of money. I have a home. And I never got married, but my I was taking care of my mother. But two weeks ago, my mom passed away. And he said, that is the first time in my life I felt alone in this world. My money did not give me peace and happiness. My job did not give me contentment. My house, I just lived in it. I didn't know what to do. And he, he said, I decided to commit suicide. And he said, two days ago, one early morning, came out of my apartment where I was living next to where I was working to take my own life. He said, as I was walking out, I saw a piece of paper laying in front of my apartment. It had a man carrying a cross, a picture on it. I took it and he said, there was not enough light, but in that very dim light, I started to read it. That day, I realized person called Jesus came into this world, died on the cross of Calvary for my sins. And he said, standing right there, I opened my heart and gave my heart to Jesus. I accepted him as my personal savior. On the back of that tract was the address, Independent Baptist Ministries of India. And he said, I took the bus all night last night just to come and tell you, thank you for printing a tract. Thank you for handing out a tract that saved my life. What can one track to do to a person? It can actually save his physical and his spiritual life. We need to do it right now. Not tomorrow or next month or next year. This right now is the time we need to go out. And tell somebody else about the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the plan of God. It is personal. It is present. And also it's very precious. You know, so many times we don't understand how precious the gospel is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, 3 and 4, if we can read, the Bible says, For I have delivered unto you the first of all, all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and rose again in the third day, according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. You know, because we were born in in America, we have heard uh, the gospel all through our life. Everyone here, you probably have three or four Bibles even in your home. That at least. Some of you have Bible for church. One of you have Bible for your bedroom or, or, you know, different Bibles. But I'm coming from a country, people, they don't even know who real God is. 
They have never heard the gospel once in their life. I did not mean to tell you this illustration. It just came out, I think. God wanted me to share it with you. You know, one day I was actually handing out some tract in a remote village of Andhra Pradesh. I did not speak the language, so I had somebody else help me to hand out the tract. I saw this man, about eight, about 70 years old. He is coming from a field about 5, 5.30 in the evening. We were inviting them for a meeting. As he was coming by, I handed him a, 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 a tract, and he said, said, you know, would you please come into our meeting and we are going to preach about Jesus. And he said, what is this? Because that's when I realized he cannot read. And I said, this is about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for you. Do you know Jesus? That my translator translated unto him and he said, Jesus, he, he thought for a minute and he turned back and he said, I don't think he lives in this village. I think he lives in the next one. At first I laughed. Then I realized one thing. This man about seven, more than 70 years old never ever heard about Jesus Christ once in his life. That broke my heart. That broke my heart. We know Jesus. We know the gospel. But many times we don't think how important it is. But you have to understand one thing. Whether you are born in India or in America, any parts of this world, there is no name under heaven among men but the name of Jesus Christ that can save your soul. That can save your soul. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it doesn't matter whether you were born in a Christian family, you, you are actually a member of this church or you are baptized, unless you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Or today, this morning, you can definitely say that. One day, I stood before Jesus or came before the church and I opened the Bible. I know I'm truly saved. I made that decision in my life. If you are not sure about it, today, before you leave this church, please open your heart for Jesus Christ. Open your heart for Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus can cleanse all of your sins. It doesn't matter who you are. Paul said, I am the worst sinner, but one day I met Jesus in my life. He changed my life. When I was eight years old, in a vacation Bible school, I still remember I stood among all those people and said, I need Jesus I was born in a missionary family. I went to church all my life. But that day, I realized my father cannot take me to heaven. I realized my church cannot take me to heaven. Unless I have the personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I am not going to heaven. That day, I stood up and said, I need this Jesus. And I opened my heart for Jesus Christ. I was saved. Like I shared this morning, I wanted to be a doctor in my life. But God called me into the ministry. I'm telling all the other people in India and other parts of the world that Jesus is the only one way to heaven. Only one way to heaven. Let me ask you this question. Do you know this Jesus? If you don't, please open your heart for him. That is the plan of God. It is personal. It is precious. And it is also present.
Secondly, here the word of God says about the passion. Passion. Real quickly, let me go forward. The passion is tears and weep. It weepeth. That simply, you know, it's speaking about the toil and the pain and the passion. It tells about the burden for a job must be done. And, you know, we, the, we, we need passion in our life. The reason for that we need passion, because we have examples like Jesus Christ. He, the Bible says in John chapter 11 and Luke chapter 90, Jesus Christ, He wept. First of all, we know He wept when He was in the house of Mary and Martha. The Bible says He wept. And secondly, when He saw the, the condition of the city of Jerusalem, He started to weep. And then we know the Bible is very specific before His crucifixion. He was in the garden of Gethsemane. He was weeping. Jesus Christ wept. The book of Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 11. Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. He said, my eyes are like fountain. He was, she was shedding tears. Paul, the greatest apostle. I don't have time to read all the scriptures. Acts chapter 20 verse 31 and Romans 10, 1, Romans 9, 3. All of these scriptures, the Bible says, Paul, the greatest apostle, the greatest weapon he had in his life was prayer. He prayed and he shed tears in his life. When was the last time we wept for somebody who needs to be saved? All of us can think of at least one person today who needs to be saved. When was the last time we prayed for them? When was it? We, we pray for a day or two. Then we add them to our prayer list for all the church to pray. We quit praying for them. We cease praying for those people. We need to weep over the souls. That is what the Bible says. You know, when he's so in tears, in other words, when we hand out one tract, when we pray, we need to pray for the souls to be saved. I believe that tracts, our messages need to be soaked in our tears. The passion we need to have in our life for the perishing souls. I remember when I was in Bible college, there was, uh, we had a Sunday school teacher real quickly. I'm actually a storyteller, so bear with me. And, uh, I, I, and I, we had a Sunday school teacher. He was actually from Texas. Uh, I, we, he's, he, we can hear him from a mile away. He, he's always, a, it's joy to listen to him. Uh, but what I noticed was he had three loose boys when I was in Bible college. Every service, after every service, I can see all these three little boys were pray, praying at the altar. And I said, you know, one day I was so curious. I went to him and said, Brother Ken, what's with them always praying at the altar? Is everything okay with them? Because they're dedicating, rededicating their life over. And he said, no, Brother Thomas, Brother Sam, they're praying for their grandfather to be saved. I said, what about it? He said, my, my father is a hardcore cowboy in Texas. Nobody can talk to him. He will not listen to anyone. So every meeting, every devotion we have, my three little kids praying for a grandfather to be saved. Four years I watched them on their knees. Tears from that little eyes. 
for their grandfather to be saved? Just before my graduation, I distinctly remember going to church that Sunday morning. I can hear Brother Ken from two miles away. And I knew something was wrong. Walked in, I said, Brother Ken, what is it? You're so happy. And he said, Brother Sam, just wait for just a minute. A few minutes later, I saw those three little boys walking into the classroom. Behind them, wearing a cowboy hat, blue jeans, boots, and a cowboy buckle belt. The old man walked in. He said, Sam, that is my father. Last night, he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal savior. God honored tears of these little boys. His, his, their grandfather got saved. When was the last time we did that? When was the last time we prayed for somebody who needs to be saved just like these three boys? If we do that, God will definitely honor our tears. We need to have a passion. Just like Jesus Christ had compassion toward the perishing people. We need to have passion. That's exactly what we are doing in India. Every day. Since this COVID happened, every other week we are having a prayer meeting. Last prayer meeting we had, you don't probably won't believe us. About 10,000 people in our churches participated praying for the people needs to be saved. You, actually, they prayed for this church. They prayed for all our supporting churches, including you. 10,000 people in India. Because we like to see more people saved. So there's plan. Secondly, passion. Then thirdly, the Bible say, God gives us some promises. Promises. But may I say this? It's very hard many times to do the plan of God with passion in your life. You may have to go through some hardships in your life. But you have to understand, even though we have to go through hardship, we still have a mighty God who is in charge, who is on the throne. He will take care of us. Since we came here last time, we have... This little girl, we had two, only two boys. I still remember. I always tell the story about I got in trouble this church last time I was here because I was preaching about something about a video, uh, the game playing. And finally, the church actually gave both of my boys each video games, you know. So, and I remember distinctly because, you know, and, uh, so in India, one thing is, uh, if you don't know the gender, gender of the, the baby until the baby is born, it's illegal. And so when my wife was pregnant with the, our daughter, and we always prayed for a daughter. We had two sons and one of their daughter. We prayed, prayed, prayed. And, and finally, it was time for her to have her the C-section. And I usually pick out the name for the baby. Before they were born. So I had Alexander and Abishua. And always I had this name Anita in my mind. So it was it was March 20th, 30th. I took my wife to the hospital. Then I had to leave her with my, my mother-in-law, her mother. And I had to come back because of uh, my boys. And so as I was driving back. Oh, just before I left the hospital. 
you have to understand, we prayed for a girl by faith. And, uh, and she asked me a question. He said, uh, what if? I said, what if what? It's a, it's a boy. And I said, well, that's fine. But that bothered me. Because I don't have a name for a boy yet. So I came back home. I'm, I'm not joking. All night I sat down in front of my computer to find a, a boy's name, uh, which starting with A. And every time I looked at different names, the name Anita came to my mind. So I decided, whether it's a boy or a girl, I'm going to call him Anita. <laughs> Aren't you glad I didn't come here with a boy named Anita? She was born. We were so happy. Fifteen days later, I was actually preaching out in a state called Andhra Pradesh in a remote village. My wife called me and said, our baby is sick. I said, what's wrong with her? She was taken to the hospital and found out 49% of her blood is infected. Septicemia. And the doctor said, anything can happen. They drew the blood, sent it to the lab. They had to wait one, one week to find the result. The doctor said, we cannot do. Medically, it is impossible. Anything can happen to her any minute. I canceled all my meetings, came back to be with them in the hospital. The only place we can turn to was to our God. All of us got on our knees and prayed for our little girl. For a week. She's 10 years old. Sitting right there. Because God heard our prayers. What do we do wrong? To go through such a difficult time. We did the plan of God. We are doing the plan of God with passion. But God is still showing us. Doesn't matter what he have to go through in your life. I am still in charge. I am still in charge. We may go through difficulties in our life. Being a Christian. Being a witness unto people. But you have to realize our problem if our God is much bigger than our problem. God can take care of us. And he gives us the promise. He said, well, two things real quickly. I'm, I, I need to finish up. He said two promises he gives here is promise of success and promise of satisfaction. Doubtless, that means, you know, if you do the plan of God with passion in your life, God doesn't promise us every time you hand out a tract or invite somebody to the Lord, they'll get saved. But that God said, you do it. You'll be successful. Secondly, satisfaction, that means rejoice. We may not get to see all the results. But one of these days, we are going to stand before the living God. You know, it's just like a farmer toils all year. Then at the end of the year, he look at all the crops, the harvest, and rejoice, you know, my time, my effort... I sacrifice is just for this. When we get to heaven, 
you see the harvest from all over the world. All over the world. You know, the Bible says there is no tears in heaven, but it does say that God shall wipe away all your tears. So there are some tears somewhere. And I believe in two places. You know, you look at the congregation standing before the living God. And they will look at you and they will tell you, because of you, I was here. I'm here. I mean, because of your tract, I was able to come to heaven. Because of your prayers, because of your sacrifice you make to support missionaries, that's why I'm here today. There will be tears in their eyes. Then you look at them and said, I never knew that person came to know Jesus because of my that tract I handed out, because of my life, because of my prayer. There will be tears in our eyes too. It will be tears of joy. Tears of joy. The Bible says, He that goeth forth weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again, bearing the sheaves with him. So today, let me ask you the question. Would you like to rejoice in heaven? Then do the plan of God with passion. Do you like to see other people in heaven? Do the plan of God with passion. Take five minutes, pray for somebody who needs to be saved. Pray for the missionaries who are battling Satan so hard to win one person to the Lord. Pray for a pastor and his family, this church, so more people hear the gospel here. Invite one person a day to church or a week or a month. Tell one person about Jesus Christ. If we do that, we can rejoice. Doubtless, we can rejoice in the presence of God. Moreover, let me ask you the question. Do you really know Jesus as your personal Savior? If not, please come. We will show you from the Word of God how you can be sure you can go to heaven. I was visiting a church in Texas, 2016. A man called Wayman James, an older man, came to me and said, Well, Thomas, I've been to India years ago. He said, I cannot tell you why I was there. He was in a place called Assam. India, the Hindus do worship different rivers. River Ganges is a sacred river for Hindus. There is a branch of River Ganges divides the state of Assam in two. He actually lived in, the, in a village in the mouth of Brahmaputra, the, that one of the branches. He said, well, Thomas, I was there for in a, living in a small hut with some of the people. One late night, the whole villagers went out. When they came, in few minutes, few hours later, they came back. I asked the question, where did you go? My host in that family, he said, we just sacrificed a teenage boy. Just sacrificed a teenage boy to the river. Brahmaputra, our goddess. Brother James told me, he said, I was taken back from hearing that. He said, why did you do that? And they answered in two, two parts. They said, first of all, that we will not perish. We will not have a flood and we will not be destroyed. Secondly, 
So we will have a good harvest next season. And he said, you did. Sacrifice that young boy so you will not be destroyed off the flood because of flood and you will have a good harvest. They said yes. You know, when he shared that story with me in 2016, I thought about it. I said, how many of us will make a sacrifice so the people will not perish and we will have a good harvest? How many of us are we willing to sacrifice our, our life, our kids, our money, our talents and time so this world will not be perished? Somebody will be getting saved. That is the harvest we are talking about. The harvest. They were worshipping the wrong goddess with the right perspective. We have the true God. How much sacrifice are we going to make? Would you like to say, God, here am I. Please use me. I'm willing to do it. Whatever you want me to do. Do the plan of God with passion. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come before you today, giving this time into thy hand. I know you have spoken to all of us. We need to do the plan of God with passion in our life. Father, anyone here doesn't know you as your, their personal Savior, at this day they make a decision.